Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we have a great episode today. We are here with Marietta Skeen, and we're talking all about mind, body-centered psychotherapy, uh, meditation, transpersonal energy work, and all kinds of good, juicy topics that we have coming up. So welcome, Marietta. Hello, Caroline. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Um, so tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do here in the Pioneer Valley. Well, uh, again, my name is Marietta Skeen, and uh, my primary gig is the body-centered psychotherapy. Um, and I work a lot one-on-one with clients uh, lately out of my home on Zoom, like a lot of people these days. And um, I also teach meditation practice uh, that that comes out of memory work, you know, using memory. And uh, I can speak more to that later. And also transpersonal energy work, which is on the table with Reiki and other intuitive works. And uh, yeah, a rich combination of things. Absolutely. How, how did you fall into this line of work? Like, what, what was it about really wanting to bring body-centered psychotherapy um, into part of your practice? Like, what was it that really kind of hooked you? Yeah, yeah. I um, got into this, this kind of work a long time ago. Actually, as a kid, um, I had had some nervous system issues from being born four months early. And so I was having memory issues and insomnia and migraines. And so I got into therapy at age seven and uh, started meditating and doing yoga as a teenager to help with the insomnia and uh, the headaches. So uh, it's been a part of me for a very long time, initially out of need. And uh, as the onion continued to peel, it became quite a passion, this self-growth project. So yeah. what, what did you, what was you, what were you kind of first tuned into at age seven when you were kind of like, you know, helping to mediate some of those symptoms? Like, was, was it meditate? Was it just straight meditation? Or was it like, um, what were the things that were really helpful for you back then? Yeah, I mean, I think initially at that age, just being able to sit down and connect someone like with another person in service of getting clear on how I felt about things, you know, is really special. And also sort of the sacredness of being in silence. I think kids, especially when they go into school, there's so many other kids around and it can get really kind of dysregulating, uh, particularly the school system. So uh, I love just having a quiet place. I remember staring at a candle at a really young age was the meditation I first learned. And all I had to do was just watch the flame and uh, it was a precious experience that uh, I obviously have stuck with for, for quite some time. Yeah. Do you still practice um, 
uh, like gazing at at candles or at bonfires or any kind of big variation of those, <laughs> however big or small those flames are. Absolutely, I've been staring at a lot of bonfires these days. That's, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's very transfixing. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that the the body centered psychotherapy is kind of a, the you know bigger part of your practice. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what what that is? Yeah, yeah. The body-centered work is really different from what you would imagine sort of talk therapy to be. Um, It's really centered around giving folks a chance to get to know their own body sensations. So it's a lot of training awareness, not dissimilar to the meditation work, um, to just help people kind of learn how to feel more and sense their body more. So it's a lot of that and it also involves tuning into the ways that we kind of have all learned in our muscles and our breathing patterns and our um, behaviors to sort of organize around fitting in. And we developed these patterns long, long time ago. Uh, and it's a pretty brilliant thing that we do that. And so sometimes those patterns can kind of Uh, tend to be chronic pain in the body or disease or uh, anxiety or depression. So the idea being that a lot of these roots of physical and emotional illness come from these old patterns of holding. So we're really celebrating kind of um, feeling and, and natural flow of energy that knows what it's doing. It knows how to heal itself. So it's also a lot of getting out of the way and letting it uh, do what it naturally knows how to do. Can you give an example of what what it means to connect with different parts of our body? Because I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I find that sometimes when I do this work for myself, I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't really connected with that part of my body. But there's also a lack of awareness that I haven't connected with that part of my body. Totally, totally. I love that you mentioned that because it reminds me that this kind of work is really hard to do alone. You know, it reminds me of how we can sort of, uh, yeah, we can sort of be our patterns in some ways and behave from them. So one example that I always notice in myself is sometimes I can walk around with my shoulders. I guess no one can see me, but my shoulders are kind of up at my ears. Right. And there's sort of a, a bracing that can happen with my shoulders up like that, where uh, there's a constriction in my throat. So when I'm maybe nervous or anxious, like I am a little right now, uh, my shoulders can rise and sort of try and protect me. They might squeeze at my throat or maybe protect my heart. And just kind of bringing awareness and really appreciation to that uh, can in itself be healing, you know? just tuning in and bringing awareness to a place like that can be healing. And you see this with people in their lower backs or their heads. You know, we spend a lot of time uh, getting stimulated on the internet. And so we can kind of tighten the muscles around our eyes these days. Um, And just kind of being aware of that and breathing into it can be, again, healing in its own way. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you say that it's it's more challenging to kind of do this work alone um, or that it really helps to have, an, a, you know, an outside person, you know, in the kind of therapy setting, what is what does a session look like um, that maybe is is different for how you work than maybe um, a, just more of a traditional talk therapist? Mm, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, well, generally, it's about a 15, uh, excuse me, 50 minute session. And Every session starts with a little bit of uh, tuning in. So I'll guide some breathing exercise or some, I mean, immediately folks are invited to close their eyes and maybe have a downcast gaze and just tune into the body. What's happening? What do I notice? Um, So that first 10, 15 minutes is a lot of just kind of getting acquainted. Um, from there, it can look a bajillion different ways. For some people, they close their eyes for the whole session and they may tune into a feeling in the body and, and have a metaphor and a story for that. And we can go the whole session kind of uncovering a story that's happening in the body that has relevance for their daily lives and making those connections. Uh, in the body, the cells can kind of hear this. So anytime we're speaking to something that feels true, something might shift. Maybe there'll be a deep sigh or the breath will just open up or uh, there'll be like a surge of energy. So in a lot of ways, it's energy work, but we're kind of talking our way into it, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody chooses to keep their eyes closed, do you think that they're you know, I guess sometimes this there's maybe there's a misconception that if you're closing your eyes, you're not being present, right? In that, you know, in that the social dynamics that we sort of talked about earlier in terms of, um, you know, when you're with other people, you look at them, you're listening, you're kind of, uh, you kind of try to be with them, maybe you feel into their energy. Um, but you're, you're kind of encouraging uh, in a social situation to close your eyes and to, to like go inwards. Oh, I love that question, Caroline. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's something so liberating about being able to be with another person and yourself at the same time. And I would even say that- That's so hard. (laughs) I know. I would say a lot of this work is training in what I think is one of the hardest things to do is stay with myself while with another person. Or sometimes I say another nervous system, right? Because we're tuning in to each other. We're resonant creatures, you know? So it's great practice. And actually, a lot of times we'll do, we'll sort of play with the transition from eyes open. So really inviting people to notice as they open their eyes to attune to me as we're in relationship to each other, can you feel what happens, you know? If you feel like your energy system has risen and, and left the body a little bit, can you, uh, you know, come back in? And at any moment, they can keep their eyes closed. And yeah, it's definitely a different social moray there, you know. 
do you feel you know I have an especially hard time especially when I'm uh when I'm dating people because I get really excited and I turn into a, such a happy puppy and I totally like lose my lose my I mean I do this professionally but I lose it when I'm in the dating world so can you maybe walk us through a little um a little practice example of um guided meditation or a practice example that people listening at home might be able to you know explore um you know, even with somebody else in the room or or by themselves with an imaginary figure. Ooh, that's a that's a fun invitation. Yeah. And Let's we can see. we can potentially do that after the break if you would prefer, because I know I put you on the spot a little bit there. I mean I can dive in. This All is right. My- <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe just a, a little short one here would be just letting your eyes close. Gently breathing in, really taking a minute to imagine a place, a place that feels so good to you. It can be a place you know. It can be a place that you've never been before, a mountaintop, the center of the ocean, your living room couch, somewhere where you feel completely safe. And imagine just being there. In this place, you get to be you. You don't have to do anything. This is about being. And just letting yourselves drink this scene in. What do you smell? Are there any sounds? What can you feel in your skin? What's around you? Really breathing into, in this space, you are completely safe. And just know that this is a place that you can return to any time. The cells in our body are living outside of time and space. In other words, they cannot tell the difference between the reality and the here and now. You're sitting in your office versus being in this location. So next time you're on a date, or you're in a, uh, you're giving a presentation, take even just a second to take a deep breath in and return here. A little safe home base. Mm, That's lovely. (laughs) Amazing. For whatever reason, like the place that I I went to was um, there's this kind of long uh, line of trees right on State Street that I walk by, and I I just showed up there. I don't know why, but right mm-hmm. along that like little you know twenty foot patch of of sidewalk that I I walk five days a week. Ooh, I love that. How did it feel? 
It just felt good. Yeah, I always feel like I see little bunnies in that area. And yeah, in that space, like a dog was walking towards me. And it was very sweet. It was like a very, um, yeah, it's a very peaceful place. I don't, I don't know why I went there. But that was nice. Isn't it cool how your intuition can bring something and you may not even expect it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What's up with that? How does, why does the mind do that? It's brilliant. I don't know. You write down your dreams for a week and it's like, where the heck did that come from? (laughs) (laughs) A lot going on that we are not aware of. That's part of the fun, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Of course. So, um, you know, on your website, you really talk about how body-centered psychotherapy is immediately effective. So, you know, as that, we kind of did that, you know, little guided meditation and connected, and I did feel good. And I, what's going on with this? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a bold statement on my part, for sure. For sure. And I think uh, the reason why I say it is that, um, Maybe it's the 11 years of doing this. There's sort of something that I've noticed, which is the basic assumptions that we're showing up with in this type of work, or at least in my training, um, I think do have an impact that's pretty immediate. And I would say the first and like major thing is just acknowledging the human experience is not problematic. A lot of people think that the only reason to go to therapy is because something's wrong. And in fact, I think things show up when they're ready to be healed and and there's some invitation towards growth. So I think just kind of acknowledging that immediately is healing, right? There's There's not a problem here. This is a human experience. I think also sort of trusting the body and trusting intuition and and allowing for feeling as aliveness and not a problem is a really profound shift that at the end of sessions, a first session with someone, people are surprised by how connected they feel to themselves, you know? Absolutely. And it feels good. It does. Yeah. It's funny. (laughs) It's like, I feel like there's so much avoidance to feel, you know, the loneliness or the, um, that kind of layer of like perfectionism or all those, like you said, the human experience. And it's like when you actually connect with it, it doesn't feel as like angry or as intimidating or overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another kind of piece that I bring that people are always kind of confused or curious about is that I'm really resonating, you know, actually the basis of this work is resonance. So I'm showing up not as a therapist analyzing people and saying what's wrong. In fact, um, I know perfectionism in myself. I know loneliness, deep loneliness. And can I be with another person in that? It's such a precious experience of connection and resonance that I think we all hunger for, really. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, the other kind of thing that you really say on your website is that like therapy is not meant to be drudgery. And I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really not. It's really not. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a really good cry, there's something that feels really sweet afterwards. 
something that opens up and not even just tears, but if you ever feel rageful, right? There's power in that. So I think we tend to kind of get into the dichotomy of good feelings and bad feelings and forget how powerful they all are, whatever they are, yeah. you know? How do, you know, if somebody's never tried any kind of therapy before, how does somebody get past the stigma and a lot of the misconceptions around this work? It's a really good question. Yeah. I mean, I think it's becoming a bit more mainstream these days, but uh, I think for me, just stepping into a feeling of growth or evolution that we sort of, um, again, much of what shows up, I think, that sends people to therapy, whether it's confusion with a partner or a life transition or feelings of depression or anxiety, I'm really big on reframing them, you know, reframing anxiety as energy that doesn't know where to go. You know, we don't always get support for all of our thoughts and feelings and aliveness. And the more that we feel that connection, the more powerful and embodied and invigorated we can feel. So I think it's uh, less of like kind of training the mind to think differently about therapy and more of uh, tapping into how good it can feel yeah. as an experience really. Yeah. And I think like what you kind of t- touched on too is like that, like stepping into wanting to heal, you know, it's like making the decision that you want to get past this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's a profound shift when someone's life uh, asks of them to heal, you know, and we can only get so many knocks on the door until it's just like, all right, I'm showing up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of, um, what kind of things have you witnessed or observed either within yourself or within um, kind of sessions of doing the, the body uh, centering psychotherapy? What have you really noticed? Like what kind of things happen? Mm, that's a rich question. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, I had a client, a young man, probably in his 20s, and he came in, he was working on, I guess, a PhD in something in the sciences. And bless his heart, he came in and he said, I feel his voice was really constricted, his body was really tight, his face was very serious. He says, I feel like a robot. And I want to feel more alive or more, you know, I can't remember. He said something like, I want to uncover my soul or something. Oh, God bless those grad students. My goodness. I know, right? (laughs) They're working their tails off. It it was so wonderful. And I would say after about a year of working together, I watched him over the year start to soften and color came into his face and his voice softened and deepened and expanded, you know, his body changed, his decisions, his relationships, things just started to like get into color and, and he fleshed out for lack of a better word, you know, and I'll never forget, you know, he, I think actually he even dropped, no, he graduated and then he moved to California and became a writer, you know? So it's like, it wasn't long. And I I think that's another thing is people expect that therapy, real change takes a really long time. And I think like you're saying, it's sort of showing up to something's got to give. And again, it doesn't have to be a problem, but it could be, I just want to feel myself more, or I feel like there's more 
to this whole life thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. That's I love the description of like kind of reanimating and, you know, really coming back into color. Because I do. It's like I see people sometimes who sometimes if they smoke or like a little too much marijuana or drink too much, it's like their their face takes on a, a grayish tone. And to me, yeah. as an energy worker, when I see that, that tends to be an accumulation of, of key sort of across the face and across the head. But it's really, really interesting to see when it starts to like drain and the, the skin kind of starts to take on more of like a fleshy coloring to it. It's it's really beautiful to watch. But it's, it's you know, when I see people with that, I'm kind of just like, oh, you must be going through it right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's like we have these brilliant ways that our cells have, have held tight, you know, and, and protected us and not really feeling that we can release and be protected by something a little outside just give a little more room yeah 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 mm. So um, if you're just tuning in, we're chatting with Marietta Skeen. You're listening to Energy Matters. Um, And so tell me a little bit about how Reiki, my favorite subject, how does Reiki fit into your work? What does that look like? Yeah, totally. I'm remembering when we first met a couple of years ago talking Reiki. Yeah. Um, Well, it, it, less so these days, I will say with COVID. So I'm not seeing people in person, but uh, it tends to be kind of an auxiliary part of the body centered work. So there might come a time where someone just wants to get on the table. And uh, it tends to be something that I blend with the Akashic records. So that's sort of what uh, the transpersonal energy work is. So the Akashic records being sort of a a library that holds um, an archetypal library that holds sort of soul energies over time and uh, bringing in kind of that intuitive work with the hands-on healing and then some of the body centered uh, sort of exercises can be really helpful to help energy move. So as I said earlier, a lot of, and it becomes a dialogue with the client on the table. So they, you know, I might say, oh, I see a mossy forest. And they're like, wow, I had this forest that I hung out in as a kid, you know, and something will light up in their cells. I'm sure you've experienced this with Reiki. Something will start moving. Something that's maybe been locked in or or kind of tensed into the muscles or into the cells will start to kind of reverberate. And the idea being that, you know, the, the Reiki helps to kind of get it get it flowing again, get it part of a larger life force system that you. Absolutely. So it sounds like your office, you have a, you have a massage table, like a Reiki table in your office. Uh, I don't keep it up as you can see, you know, um, I don't keep it up all the time, but yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. I love that. Like, entering your practice, you have all these kind of different tools that you can kind of do the like body centered psychotherapy, you can kind of bring in some Akashic records and start to bring some of like really, really deeply enhanced uh, information to come in. And that's and Reiki, of course, that's super cool. It's fun, little uh, energetic playground. <laughs> Do you know when people come in that you're like, okay, we're going to be doing, we're going to be working on this? Is it like a little different from uh, from session to session with clients? How do you kind of determine who who gets what? Um, in regards to the energy work versus meditation versus, yeah, it generally people come in for the psychotherapy work, which does, you know, we're both sitting across from each other in that design. 
they may request the energy work and then we'll do that as a separate session. So I do split them up mostly. I won't like, hey, let's get on the table right now. Um, meditation, I often am lacing into, you know, everything that I do, you know, training awareness is a big part of it. Um, and my master's was at a Buddhist university. So I come from sort of that, that Buddhist background. But yeah, it is kind of like, what's going to happen today? Yeah. <laughs> never a dull moment no absolutely not no that's that's kind of the best part that like soul journey that you know exploring our inner workings and our subconscious and all the things that we're connected to it's really um yeah you just never know it's it's like a different flavor every time yeah yeah it keeps things very interesting that's for sure uh, so tell us a little bit about um, about the Buddhist university that you went to. I know that um, that you you did your grad studies out in at Naropa University. Yeah, 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 in Colorado. Um, well, Naropa's based in a Buddhist perspective and uh, was really kind of based in experiential education. So it wasn't as much of sort of. Um, using your mind as much as using your body, really kind of uh, working on our own stuff, trusting that as therapists, uh, we are doing our own personal work, you know. Um, even our examination process was a verbal experience. So they would, uh, they would have us stand in the middle of a group of 30 people and ask an essay question and have us sort of call in the heaven of being terrified while everyone's watching, you know, this open space and the earth of everything we know and we've studied and bring them together in the heart and share this authentic moment, this, you know, true expression of reality in this moment. And it, I mean, it was deep, profound, really. Yeah. That's such a different um, uh, model of, of academics. Than sitting there like, you know, writing. I mean, I wrote plenty of papers, but you know, it's just, yeah, it was very dynamic. That's really very cool. Dynamic. How how do you feel like that, that work um, informed your current practices and your current kind of like, you know, really framework for, for understanding the therapeutic process? Oh, man, it's hard to point to uh, even a couple ways. I think I think the deepest one that I got that comes through right now in this moment is uh, the concept of basic goodness, which is inside all of us, we are inherently good and okay and, and fine. You know, it's this element of equanimity that, that we have to have for ourselves as much as uh, the client that's sitting across from, from me in that case. So there's a way in which if somebody comes in and they're feeling just totally agitated, uh, if I don't have room for my own experience of agitation in myself, I'm not going to be able to sit with them comfortably. So it's a constant realization how connected we all are. And I find that to be really kind of the best uh support for doing this work and certainly not burning out because we're constantly having to work on ourselves as therapists. Yeah. Anywhere, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I know the pandemic has been pretty intense and everybody's kind of running for therapy right now. Um, how, how do you, and you kind of just shared a little bit about your process of really staying present and being able to hold space and doing that self work. What is your self care routines look like? 
on either a day to day, week to week, month to month? What is what are some of the, your personal things that are your go tos? I'm kind of a nut about it. And um, I'm a rare bird in the therapeutic world where I don't see a whole I don't see a huge amount of clients. A lot of people will see like 30 clients a week. I see about 15. And I really prefer to uh, leave enough space so that I can really be present with folks. Um, My personal self-care routines can be uh, rolling around on the floor. One of my favorite, you know. Um, I I roll around on the floor a lot. It feels really good. I do a lot of like movement, authentic movement practices and um, meditation is sort of a big one for me. I do a lot of body work. I work with a lot of local body workers um, on the regular. And that's really helpful for me to keep growing and keep kind of expanding my energy system. Um, I do Feldenkrais is one of my favorite weekly classes that I try to get into. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Do you have a a favorite Feldenkrais practitioner that you love in the area? I do. I love Michelle Huber. She's right here in the Valley and she's a wonderful teacher and has a Monday night class if anyone's interested. Cool. I haven't met her yet. So she hasn't been on the show yet. So we'll, we'll have to maybe try to link her in. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sweet. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I I do think that it is interesting to really, um, it sounds like, you know, some of it is just like part of the training that you're doing, but also like structurally making sure that like, okay, I'm not going to set up too many clients for myself and create something that is too, too intense. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really um, bring myself to my sessions with clients. So there's no real way to check out you know, it's really a lot of tracking what's going on in my own body so that I can show up in a way that feels true. And it's really hard to imagine doing that 30 hours a week or something, you know, I would rather live a simpler, quieter life, you know? Yeah. So that feels really special. What? Why do you think people really like push themselves and put so many like working hours into their schedule? Like, why do you, why do you think we like jam pack our? I mean, maybe that's a broad question because there's so many individual people in the United States um, and in the Western world. But um, do you have any kind of insights around that really heavy workaholism uh, kind of juiciness there? Yeah, my one word answer is fear. Fear, fear <laughs> of what? <laughs> what are we scared of? Yeah, I I really do. So it's an energy that shows up in almost every single session with clients is the energy of pressure. And pressure really pushes us up out of our center into our head, where we can spin, we can fragment, you know, there's all these ways that we are impacted by, you know, an energy that says you got to do more, or it's not enough, or you should do this, or, you know, And I think that it stems from a dysregulated nervous system. You could call it trauma or you can call it inherited just dysregulation, people not feeling safe. And what is a dysregulated nervous system? What does that mean? Yeah, I mean, in polyvagal theory, you know, we have this vagus nerve that goes through the center of the body and we experience three major states. One is sort of an agitated, sympathetic nervous system state. Another is sort of dorsal, it's like shut down or disassociated, like I'm done, you know? 
And then the third is safe and connected. And in any given moment, we can be in any of those states. But depending on which one we're in, the story completely changes. So you could be in one moment, and depending on the state you're in, you know, uh, reality can totally change. So we live, a lot of us live in a sympathetic nervous system in this culture. It's fast paced, there's constantly stuff coming on. And I mean, have you ever been on New York City subway? It's very sympathetic. (laughs) That's definitely a moment, um, or that's a state that is all about doing more, pushing, keep moving, you know. Um, It's not a rested state. So that gets stitched into our cells. We inherit it through our family systems and through generations, and it shapes how we live our lives. Absolutely. That's a lot. Yeah. Anxiety is a, is that nervous system state, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know that you, in your kind of like, you know, many years since you were seven, like bringing in a lot of these like mindfulness and, you know, kind of connected pieces. Um, I know for a, a good chunk of time you studied with a with a Buddhist monk and really, really like trained in um, a particular style of meditation. So um, how, how did you connect with a Buddhist monk? Um, what, did, what did you, like, what were some of the practices? Like, I'm, I'm so nosy and curious. Like, I want to know everything. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, it was really serendipitous, actually. Um, yeah, a friend connected me with uh, this teacher who was teaching up at Barry Center for Buddhist Studies here in the area. And, um, and I started studying with him and he had been a monk in kind of the 80s and 90s in, in Sri Lanka. Like a punk and, monk. Uh, a monk monk, like in the monastery. Oh, I was just making a joke about like a punk monk, like an 80s, 90s. Oh, just, that that one flew right over. So, I don't remember. It's okay. So he was a monk in the 80s and the 90s. Monk, monk, yeah. Monk. yeah. I like it. I like it. I like that. I'll have to share that with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, he had a very unusual practice. And I had been, you know, studying various meditations and failing at various meditations for so long, feeling like I just am not jiving with the way that this works. You know, you see a lot of meditation out there that's sort of like, stop your thinking and come back to your breath or recite this mantra. And I just couldn't relate in in the way that I did with his practice. Um, So the practice that really kind of got me was that, he was welcoming us to just allow any thinking to happen and just kind of go with it. Um, and, and the real faculty that's, that's being utilized here is memory. So ironically, I had had all these memory issues when I started meditating as a kid. And here I was invited to listen and maybe I'm sitting for a half an hour trying to remember everything that happens. Um, and then the invitation is to kind of write it down. So there's this sense of allowing that chatter that we all have to just go on and to actually kind of be with it along the way. So it's not just similar to the um, therapeutic work where we're allowing feeling to be here and we're in fact, we're bringing connection to it. So what I found is the more that I worked with him and he was amazing, I think it was about three years where I would sit every day for an hour, remember, 
write down everything. And then every two weeks I would send him like 14 hours of my unfiltered mind, you know? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Bless his heart. He would like read through all of this, you know? And, and so this is actually how they operated in the monastery is that, these monks are meditating, but they're also talking to each other about their meditations, which is something I didn't see much in my history in Buddhism in America, is that we sort of sit on the cushion, we're by ourselves, we control our mind, and then we get up and go on to the next thing. And there's something really profound about seeping in the tranquil states that come in meditation, staying in them, and in fact, sharing them with a teacher is an opportunity to kind of flesh it out to get more memory, you know, to kind of bring more back to it. And so he would ask me questions to kind of bring in more memory to to what happened in that state and to start to see patterns that I operate in in my daily life. And, you know, it has a way of sort of unwinding how the mind works and giving it a chance to kind of work itself out. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like a lot of memory stays so contained in our heads. And so even just like by verbalizing it and like presenting it to another trained professional, whether it's a monk or a therapist or something, somebody that can kind of contextualize it a little bit, it, you know, it, there's something there's something very um, uh, liberating in that. But I'll, there's yeah, I, I don't exactly know what I'm trying to say here, but I, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're speaking to two different pieces, which is one that there's like an embodiment of it. You know, there's there's actually maybe three. There's self-listening, you know. So when I try to remember something, there's a way there's another layer of consciousness that's listening to myself. And I'm training myself to pay attention in a way to my experience, which is really quite an act of self-care, you know. You share something with me and in a week from now, I remember it. it. It means I care, you know, I'm tuning in. So there's something really special about the memory piece. Um, but also writing is very embodying and then sharing in relationship is really quite healing. Cool. So that was really the meditation practice that that stuck and that resonated for you. Yeah, yeah, it was really it was really helpful for me. And um, and I have started teaching it here in the Valley over the past couple of years. Um, And it's been really amazing to just see people who have never meditated before immediately take, take it on and, and find it really supportive. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, So Marietta, tell us a little bit about what, um, what kind of events, workshops you have coming up. Um, Give us a little rundown about what's, what's going on, what you're sharing. Yeah, a little less these days with COVID. I certainly uh, uh, have been taking the opportunity with both COVID and winter to kind of tone it down. But I am for you. I know, right? That having been said, we're getting into those sort of uh, harder months of February and March where it's just dark, you know, it's dark and, and cold. And so I am doing a meditation retreat that will be at the end of February. So I think that's Sunday, February 28th. And it's from 10 to 1. And um, it'll be on Zoom. And you can check out my website, mariettaskeen.com. Yeah. And I also hang out a lot on Instagram. Should I share that? Yeah. People are curious. Give us us ways that we can find you. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram, um, I guess my handle is movebemoved. 
And so you can find me, Marietta Skeen, on there. And um, Facebook as well is uh, My Thriving Village. Okay. So that that has references to other healers in the area as well. Okay. So My Thriving Village on Facebook and Move Be Moved on Instagram. Got it. And can you give us a shout out for your um, your website one more time as well? Oh, yeah. MariettaSkeen.com. Fabulous. Fabulous. Um, And so do you have any kind of last words of wisdom that you would like to throw out into the universe that you feel is like, you know, particularly important right now? Mm. Nothing that comes to mind except just to kind of hunker down, enjoy this, this break in, in things. And I don't know, just inviting, inviting the rest. I'm really big on the rest these days. Yeah. Yeah. Rest is, you know, it's funny because it's like, it's, it's like our body is telling us to rest, but if like we rest a little too much, then the judgment starts coming in we're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like, just let yourself be an animal. I know. Hibernate with the bears. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just snuggle in. It's cool. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on Energy Matters today, Marietta. It was really a pleasure chatting with you. Um, And if people are just tuning into the show right now, you can always go um, and find this episode um, as well as all the other past episodes um, posted up on my website. So if you go to ReikiNorthampton.com backslash radio dash archives, you can get all of these episodes and catch up. Um, Or if you're a podcast listener, you can always go on to the Energy Matters podcast. Um, Pretty much anywhere you download your your podcast, you can find that. So you can get all these episodes um, and catch up with a little bit of Energy Matters. So... Um, So have a great afternoon, everyone, and be well.